Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Sure, we've all had fun messing around with AI image generators and conversation bots, but AI is more than a novelty, and it's possible that your business could benefit from AI integration. SAP Business AI can help your business innovate, whether it's supply chain, finance, human resources, sales and marketing, even a generative AI co-pilot. SAP Business AI can offer the solutions you've only dreamt of. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Learn more at sap.com slash AI. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. And for those who celebrate, happy Thanksgiving to you because that's when this podcast will be dropping. And it will be a podcast because of it being Thanksgiving. No live video components, but we didn't want to leave you hanging. First things first, it is Tuesday as we record this, so maybe something happened on Wednesday and it isn't mentioned on the show, and if that's the case, I'm sorry, not sure what else to say about it, but... (laughs) Or bad. I will say this, these are some of my favorite BTL episodes to do because I just bring in Mr. No Gray Area, we hit record, we have no real game plan, and the show just goes where it goes. So with that being said, let us say hello to the Exhibition King... Mr. Jed Mishu. Hello, sir. What's up, buddy? Yeah, uh, this, I don't, I mean, usually I feel like I have an idea of where these shows are going to go, right? We're doing them for, it's a down week or it's a holiday week, but at least there's stuff to talk about. But like, we, is it just, we just doing PFL? Like, is that, like, I don't, or are we going to spend a lot of time on, on Vegas 65? Like, it doesn't seem like it's, I don't, I just don't. I'm fascinated to find out where this is going to go. So I'm, I'm treating this like it's Thanksgiving Eve. You and I are just sitting around a fire, a couple of frosty ones in hand, and we're just going to let the conversation go where it goes. I guess I want to, st- I'll start here because you mentioned UFC Vegas 65 and it makes me think back on just the weekend that was because it was a busy and sort of weird weekend. And the UFC card was what it was. No Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak. We got to see Kennedy and Sachukwu have a great moment and just cut the nicest post-fight promo afterwards. Man, what but a the card, had. yeah, the card was just fights with very little stakes. It was it was a fine watch. The worst things to do on a Saturday, but it was a card. And then later that night, Misfits Boxing and DAZN had the second weirdest event of the weekend behind what happened with the UFC. And then Bellator on Friday had Bellator 288 with two title fights. We had one new champion in Usman Nurmagomedov. Not very surprising. Vadim Nemkov 
retained his light heavyweight title against Corey Anderson. He shut some people up. Surprising. That was a little more surprising. So what stood out to you the most from this past weekend with everything that happened in those three cards from, from an in cage perspective, I have a feeling we'll touch on some of the non in cage stuff in a moment. I mean, I think the biggest one just has to be Vadim Nimkov. Uh, you could make the argument for, for Narmagomedov, uh, but that one just didn't stand out as much because honestly, and we can hop into the Bellator talk because frankly, Bellator's card was more relevant and useful. Like those are, those fights meant more than the UFC fights this past weekend. That great performance. I'm, I'm not here to, to poo poo Usman Nurmagomedov getting a dominant, you know, 50 44 win over Patricky Pitbull. He didn't dominate as much as I thought he would. He still didn't lose even a second of that fight. I think that fight still, I already had him ranked in the top 15 at lightweight, but I think that fight probably solidified for everybody. I, I suspect he will be on everybody's top 15 list. Uh, but, you know, I, I sort of expected it to be even more dominant, to be even higher off him. Whereas, and this is this is it. You know, it's perception versus what actually happens. I thought Vadim Nimkov was going to lose. I thought Nimkov was going to win when he and Corey Anderson fought however long ago that was earlier this year. I picked him. I felt good about it. We all know what happened in that fight. He was not winning that fight. And barring a very unfortunate circumstance with the headbutt happening in the no contest he was going to lose that fight and lose the title and so i was like well i guess i was just wrong it seems that he doesn't have any answer to Corey anderson's wrestling if anderson gets him down it's game over and we saw that he could do that so i i just was like yeah sure Corey anderson gonna win dude put in the work came back looked really good and one did me a huge favor, Mike, because you know, you you know that I did not <laughs> want to live in a world where Corey Anderson could have a legitimate claim to being the, the greatest light heavyweight on the planet. And now I don't. Vadim did doing God's work by preventing that from happening. And now I think he pretty clearly can't. I mean, you can make the argument that he is the top light heavyweight in the world. It it does ring a little less true, or it's it's slightly tougher just because he does have the TKO loss to Prahashka. Granted, that was over five years ago. I think that was back in 2016. Um, so it's a, a long time ago, but you know, the resume is what the resume is, that still stays. But you know, man's still fairly young and and he's 30. Fedor's, Fedor's dude showing out, baby. So he's the story of the weekend for me, uh, just because I think the expectations, my expectations were not that high, and he he did the damn thing. To me, uh, the Dust Commander was the biggest story of Bellator because oh, apparently he's still relevant. Is. He's still relevant. He's in between Danny Sabatello and Rafian Stotts at the little scrum they had. He cornered Daniel James for his big knockout upset win of Tyrell Fortune. I mean, this guy is undefeated as a coach, and I think he's going to get some noms for coach of the year when it's all said and done. But and all joking aside, the thing that stood out the most to me... Look, Detroit Urban Survival Tactics, is that the team? It's, yeah. It's, it's a you cannot defeat that combat system. I love that because that's like... I don't know if you've ever gone back and watched like the very, very first UFCs, but they're hilarious because it's a bunch of dudes with made up martial arts 
styles or whatever, or like their own. It's like I I'm he made his own martial arts, SAFTA, and he's a SAFTA practitioner. <laughs> and he just goes and gets trucked, and that's what Dust is, and it's the best. Yes. You got to watch this. So I think my biggest takeaway was Hasim Rockman Jr. not fighting Jake Paul earlier this year. Ooh. A supremely wise decision, was it not? I mean, good grief with this Greg Hardy fight. I went back and watched it earlier today. I was just stunned at how not good at boxing he was. Yeah, he was. I'm props to you for going back and watching that. Um, shouts to the dedication that you are showing. He is, he's not very good. Um, and Jake Paul probably beat him. He still probably could have won that fight if Greg Hardy wasn't a hundred pounds heavier than him. And like I watched, I, I covered it or whatever. In real time, that fight is just outlandish. It's like, man, what what are we doing here? What are these what is happening? Why is Hasim Rahman Jr. doing this? Why is Greg? I have so many questions about Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy's post fights interview where he was like, I'm 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 a pro boxer. I'm not a football player at all. I'm a pro boxer. I'm Ali. I'm doing, you know, I'm I'm Fury or whatever. I was like, dude, you couldn't knock out a guy who's bad at boxing and weighed a hundred pounds less than you. I don't I don't understand Greg Hardy because he's had moments and he's like hyper athletic. And there was a time when I was like dead ass convinced that he was going to be a top 10 heavyweight in the UFC just because he is so athletic, but he can't, I, I got, I just don't understand how he cannot convert all of the talent he has into something more meaningful. And Rockman should have taken the bag from Jake Paul. Cause he's never getting one again. Because he's not good enough to get one again. That name is not going to carry him after this fight, or, or and his lack of skills aren't going to carry him anywhere. So it's Misfits boxing is weird, and I never know how to deal with it. Well, speaking of that and how having to deal with things, and then they're going to do this thing. Yes, Dylan Danis continues to do Dylan Danis things, and over the weekend he gets into it with KSI. Mr. Misfits boxing himself at the Misfits slash DAZONE Series 003 event. What, can we just shorten the goddamn name? This is just insanity. Nope. So Go longer. Plus, plus. DAZONE, <laughs> DAZONE 00 plus, plus. Misfits boxing and DAZONE presents Misfits boxing X DAZONE Series. We could, we could do this all day long, but... Dylan Dennis and KSI get into it. Coffee is thrown. And then Dylan Dennis goes outside in the old parking lot. And usually after skirmishes, going to the parking lot is probably the worst place you can go. But it, KSI didn't follow him out there. Anthony Taylor follows him out into the parking lot and just punches Dylan Dennis right in the face. And now Dylan Dennis is boxing KSI in January. And Bellator is allowing this to happen, which might be the most astounding thing of all. So... Dylan Danis, Jed, do you do you even care to give your thoughts on on this man at this point? I don't. Uh, he is the weirdest person, maybe in all of combat sports, and it's because nobody remember he he was like a very legit 
and very serious grappling prospect. Like this dude grappled Gordon Ryan, like and and held his own. Like this guy can play the game. But he almost immediately just adopted faux Connor as his personality and then is trying to coast on that into this. And maybe that is a good business decision for him. I'm not looking at his bank statements. I don't know. Maybe it is just better to try and get yourself into the influencer boxing game instead of the real fight game. Because uh, he looked awful in the one fight he had. Like, just looked terrible. But I don't... I don't know what the end game is. I don't know if this is, I've never talked or met the man. I, 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 and we don't have like a long history with him. Like Colby Covington, let's use him as the example, right? Because everybody is aware that Colby Covington is putting on an act. And I'm sorry if I am telling you something that you did not know. I apologize for breaking the fourth wall. Colby Covington is acting. He's not very good at acting. Um, and, we could have a whole separate argument or discussion about the merits of about when acting just becomes your real personality and the lines get blurred, etc. Neither here nor there. What we can all say is Colby Covington had a persona, like a very public persona that we all knew beforehand. Then he made the mental calculation of I will make X more dollars if I do this thing. And then he leaned real hard into it. We don't really have that with Dylan Dennis. Dylan Dennis came to us with minimal other information about how he was, you know, I, I don't know if this is just who he is, if he is just a delusional lunatic or not. Uh, and it wouldn't shock me at all if he is, because like, I don't know, it kind of seems like delusional lunatics are the people that Conor McGregor gravitates towards. So maybe that's just it. But this is, he threw, has to this point thrown away what appeared to be a very promising grappling career and potentially an MMA career to now go get knocked out by a YouTuber in a white-collar boxing match. Because that's what's going to happen. Like, I don't know how much money he's getting for it. That is the other... And maybe you know more on this than I do, Mike. You're certainly more plugged into these aspects of the fight game than I am. I never know what... When people say, you know, they're chasing it for the money. I don't ever really know what that means. Because, like... My guess is that Tyron Woodley made more boxing Jake Paul than he did in the UFC because the UFC's contracts are um, horrifically bad by and large as far as, you know, compensation goes. But I don't know, like, I would be pretty surprised, I think, if you told me that Jake Paul paid Tyron Woodley a million dollars because he doesn't need to. No one is tuning in because he's fighting Tyron Woodley. It's Jake Paul. And he could fight me and do substantively similar numbers. In this same one, there is a 0% chance anybody is tuning into KSI versus Dylan Dennis because Dylan Dennis. Like, he is not bringing the bodies to the viewer. It is it is KSI. It's people who like this. It's like Misfits Boxing and the Influencer White Collar Boxing Matches. And I'm not here to yuck your yum. I am actually kind of charmed by them at this point in time. But if he's not bringing any real additional value, how are they paying him more? Like, I just, it's, I struggle to see him making like real bands off this fight. And he's getting knocked out and humiliated because he gets knocked out by a YouTuber. And I don't know, the guy doesn't seem to have an issue getting humiliated. He does it every other night on TMZ or whatever at this point, but. 
I don't know who's in his corner, who's telling him what to do, or if no one is, and no one can tell him to just like stop being a total jackass. But here we are, you know, maybe he's doing it right. I mean, I think he brings in some people, at least from the MMA community, because most people from the MMA community aren't tuning in to Misfits boxing events. Not many, but if there's one person that that sort of collab could bring in from the MMA space and get some buys, it's probably Dylan because people just want to see this dude get knocked out. And they would pay 35 bucks to watch it, I think. So I don't think they're getting like 50,000 sure buys. True, but they probably get do, a couple thousand. Do you thousand? think people really want to want to pay to see Dylan Dennis get knocked out? I think so. I'm willing but... to believe it, but like it's Dylan Dennis just means nothing to me. He is a nothing. Like that is and that as dismissive as I possibly can be with regard to this. I don't hate that dude. I don't like that dude. He means nothing. He has no relevance or bearing to my life or yours. It is, oh, there's Dylan. I know who he is as a person because of the industry in which I work and his relative prominence within it at this stage. But I don't care at all. If you told me, hey, he's going to go grapple, I'd be like, oh, and I might have a little more interest in that. Like, let's see where he's at if you're going to do some kind of showcase grappling match. But like this does not uh, nothing for me, and I just it's hard for me to really put myself in the shoes of people who are like want to pay money to watch him get knocked out. Like you can just watch the YouTube video of him getting choked out by a bouncer, which is way funnier because he's supposed to be a grappler and he gets choked out by a bouncer. To it's quote way you, funnier. To, to quote you, my friend, if this fight even happens, I'll eat my hat. Dylan Dennis isn't fighting KSI. He's not fighting him. I don't care how much money he might get for this. Dude, that's he ain't even fighting him. Worse. It's even worse. Like he is so bad at this. Like I guess if you if you operate under the assumption that no press is bad press or whatever, right? Then maybe he's better at it than some people. But if he pulls out of this, what like how how is he redeemable? How is he how is there any just just a floundering infant child just yelling at everyone that he's the greatest when he's like I'm I mean this very seriously, Mike. I could probably outbox him based on the one fight I've seen him do. He would kick the shit out of me in a in a regular fist fight because I am not a world class grappler. But if you just give us fourteen ounce gloves and are like square up in this in the circle, let us go. I have a very reasonable chance to beat that man unless he has made unbelievable strides from his MMA debut. So like, what the hell are we doing with him? I don't know. I don't know. I, just, I can't believe Bellator is like, you know, it's a great idea. Let's send this guy over to a fine for boxing them. It's event. not like he's fighting. That's it's not true. Like he's fighting he's in Bellator under contract like with them though, which makes no sense. Just release this man. Just release this man. What, I mean, what are we yeah, doing hanging on to him? There's, yeah, there's no reason to keep him around. Just let him go be, I don't know, be a peacock and fly, buddy. Like, I, I don't know what you want to do in your life, but you just go go do it. And I just, oof, man, that whole team is just a lot. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I don't think he ends up fighting. Maybe his next fight will be under Bellator 
under Bellator's umbrella, maybe it won't. Sure, we've all had fun messing around with AI image generators and conversation bots, but AI is more than a novelty, and it's possible that your business could benefit from AI integration. SAP Business AI can help your business innovate, whether it's supply chain, finance, human resources, sales and marketing, even a generative AI co-pilot. SAP Business AI can offer the solutions you've only dreamt of. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Learn more at sap.com AI. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Speaking of Bellator, let's just go here. We found out, Jed, just a few hours before Bellator 288 went down that Fedor Milianenko has booked his retirement fight. He will challenge... Ryan Bader for the Bellator heavyweight title, February 4th, Bellator 290. It is a rematch from Bader's, I think it was a 35-second finish of Fedor in the finale of the heavyweight Grand Prix a few years back. But not only will that fight be happening, but your boy, Yoel Romero, will get a shot at the light heavyweight title against the aforementioned Vadim Nemkov. And additionally... This card is going to air on CBS Network Television, also on Paramount Plus for the streaming enthusiasts. Now, Jed, I've I've been very hard on Bellator, and you've been very hard on Bellator as well. I feel like our harshness comes from different places because to me, and I truly mean this, and I've said this to you before, you have reacted in Jed typical ways saying this, but I'll say it again. It comes from a place of caring and love, honestly. I want them to do well, and I want them to do the thing, and I think they are actually capable of doing the thing, but the promotion, they just trip over their own feet in a race with the PFL for the number two spot. Their broadcasters trip over their own feet on their own podcasts. But I feel like they're at least trying to have fun and do stuff. Like I love the Liver King, Paulo Costa Pitbull thing. I thought that was absolutely brilliant to get some at least attention put on your card. I loved the even the Twista, Daniel James, Dust Commander thing, as I talked about earlier. They're trying to at least do some things outside the box. And while they still have many issues, to me, this Bellator 290 news, the CBS thing, everything about it, I got to say this is great A-plus stuff from Bellator, at least on the surface. Your thoughts on on this news and and this all of these things happening in the world of Bellator to kick off 2023. Bellator is the second best promotion in MMA right now. Like I, I, I'm comfortable saying that. Um, mainly because PFL, yeah, we're going to talk about them, but they're they they make it tough sometimes. Um, and I'm sorry, Chatri, one is not a real promotion. Um, I'll I'll just never believe it. Um, until I don't know. Now I'm I'm a lot closer just because the whole Amazon thing with one has really actually push their profile in in substantive ways and they have a good roster or whatever. Um, but I also think that they have some fundamental problems by just the way they do things. Not, neither here nor there. Bellator is the, whether they are or not, and certainly 
Combate and other idiot promoters want to argue these sorts of things. They are the number two promotion in the world in cachet. Like if you aren't in the UFC, Bellator is the next best org. And they, to your credit, to your point, to their credit, have done some okay things this year. They're going to end up with 18 events this year, which is probably still like three more than I think would be the sweet spot for them. But the fact that they have trimmed back on their event schedule to only doing, you know, a, one every one and a half a month, right, is basically what they're targeting right now, um, which is fine. It has meant that their cards have largely been better. And we've said it all year long as we've talked about upcoming cards. There were a couple of, stinkers in there um you know their trip to dublin did not have a lot of high-end name work on it but it had a lot of local you know a lot of people that cared locally they do a lot of things well this is this is sort of indicative of the entirety of bellator though this cbs thing right here getting on cbs a plus plus work like that's it cbs paramount plus broad scope push your product out you still have the fundamental issue that your name is Bellator, which is an awful, awful, stupid name that nobody will register with or care about and doesn't have the brand cachet to matter, but whatever. That is good. The Grand Prix's are good. Pushing a lightweight Grand Prix next year is good. Going on CBS with Fedor Emelianenko versus Ryan Bader is stupid. It's incredibly stupid. And here's why. Fedor is still probably one of your most marketable quantities just because he's been around a long time. He has drawn interest historically his entire career. That has been a thing with him. Having him fight Ryan Bader serves no purpose whatsoever other than, I assume, feeding Fedor's ego to say, hey, we want you to go out. You want to fight for the belt in your last fight because this is supposed to be Fedor's retirement fight. Tired once before, came back. Maybe he'll do the same thing again. We saw this fight. We saw this fight two years ago, whatever. It ended in 30 seconds. There is absolutely no reason to believe the exact same thing will not happen this time. And while I can appreciate the core concept of we're going to take this guy and that people know and where it's his last fight, we're going to send him out on his back and we are going to make a star on CBS you got Ryan Bader doing the dirty work. Nobody's going to give a shit. Like who? If people know MMA, they know who Ryan Bader is. And they don't give two dogs of a dog's tail about this man. He is useless. He is also almost 40. You are not building a promotion around this guy. You are not taking Ryan Bader and saying he is going to carry the flag for the next 50 years for Bellator MMA. And so CBS, tune in, guys. And then if Fedor gets knocked out, this is the next guy, so it's okay. Or if Fedor pulls off the miracle and gets to win, that's great. Heroic moment, end on top, confetti all around. Well, that's not what's going to happen. And instead, you're going to send him out on his back for what? For tell me what? Who benefits? Qui bono, Mike? Qui bono? Ryan Bader is 40 years old. And this is not just the problem there. The problem is Bellator's entire heavyweight division is ratchet. It is, <laughs> I am looking at their rankings right now, and we could have a whole separate talk on how stupid it is for them to have rankings. Bader, Valentin Moldovsky, 
Linton freaking Vassal is their number two heavyweight in the world. Czech Congo, Tyrell Fortune, who, by the way, just got got last week. Like, this is so insane if you are going to put a CBS card. And we could do this. the same thing applies to light heavyweight, right? It is If Yoel wins, he is not the standard bearer because he is 50. And yes, he's a Martian. And maybe the youngest 50-year-old that has ever existed in the history of existence. But he cannot carry your brand forward. This is, you just crowned a light a new lightweight champion, and you knew he was going to win. Not a soul alive other than Patricky Pitbull's family thought he was going to retain the belt when Usman Nurmagomedov stepped in the cage. Also, his name is Nurmagomedov. He, he is related to one of the biggest stars in the sport who coaches him and corners him. And you put that dude on CBS. The 24-year-old, Phenom prodigy who is going to be the standard bear and brings with him Habib, who random dudes know, who your grandfather, who's flipping channels like CBS, hmm, Nurmagomedov, I feel like I've heard that name before. Oh, isn't that that dude that beat the hell out of Connor at one time? And that's how you build a star who can lead your company forward, not rolling out old ass dudes like this. What? It is not hard. You get they get the ball 90, 90 yards downfield every time. Every time Bellator puts the ball on the fucking five yard line and cannot, cannot punch it in. They are throwing picks in the red zone like they are Trevor freaking Lawrence, and he kills <laughs> me, Mike. Hey, listen, Usman could still be on this card. They could kick off the light the lightweight tournament here. They could certainly do that. You put Usman and Fedor on the same card. I think Usman would be would be up for that. And Inglewood, and not it, far but, from AKA. But that that is such a less of a moment and so less relevant to have him beat to defend his lightweight belt in the Grand Prix against someone, as opposed to a coronation. Coronations are moments. They are big moments that you want to see and build towards. And it was such an obvious coronation. And you just do that. You just do that, man. And I don't, it is so having him be third fiddle to these two light heavyweight or the light heavyweight and heavyweight bouts. Like it is just, it, maybe it draws interest. Maybe it does enough numbers, but where is the, where's the foresight? Where's the future planning of what the hell is happening? Ryan Bader is not it. Vadim Nemkov maybe is. But that still seems questionable because I don't know who the hell else you have to fight. That division is is bad. Light heavyweight is a bad weight. Not not Bellator's, just in the world, it is a bad weight class. So it is, he's at least young enough that maybe this, this works. Like, I'd be cooler if that was just the main instead of doing Fedor's last ride. But I don't, did like... You, you have been cultivating young talent for years. All of it wrestling-based. Try and build with that, man. Like, try and do that. Do Ralphie and Stotts, Danny Sabs. That that should be a fight that's on CBS. Like, that fight should be on CBS because let's go. Like, that's these are guys with personality who are young enough and relevant enough. These could be the guys who hold, hold the torch. AJ McKee can be a guy who holds the torch. You need to be investing in those people promotionally instead of fatal. Like, 
I, the UFC does a lot of awful, awful promotion. They are really actively bad at promoting. And I, you've heard me say it a million times. They never, almost never put something like this as the main event to a marquee event, right? And that's how we have to think about this. This isn't, a, this isn't you know, a regular UFC pay-per-view. This is fight week. This is Madison Square Garden. Bellator on CBS, that's it. It is a big event for them. And so, and the UFC doesn't headline Madison Square Garden with Anderson Silva's retirement fight or Shogun Hua, even though he's a big name, fighting some dude. That might be on the card somewhere, but that's not, that, that isn't the thing that's at the top of the marquee because the top of the marquee is not for dudes retiring unless they're going to be doing it at an apex card or whatever. Like it's, this is just, it feels like they should be, they should be beyond this and they should have figured out. There's a reason we've, we have been the number two promotion for 10 years and we actively have the most talent. That's not in the UFC in one place and we can gain no traction. And I feel like they have never done an internal, like an internal review would be like, why are we gaining broader traction with this? Like why, we have been around a long time and we are in the exact same spot as we have always been. And uh, like, why, why is it not getting better? And again, they do some things that are good, but in every big moment, they fumble the bag, man. I I get what you're saying when it comes to they, they're kind of back to like 2010. Like they have a strike force 2010 mentality that this worked in 2010, so let's just do it now. And back then, when they would put cards like this together, and even in the Bjorn Rebney Bellator era, they'd put these, and even in early on in the Coker era, they would put these random freak show fights on a card, but then they wouldn't load the rest of the main card with any up-and-coming talent. They would just put shit fights yeah. on there, so you're not promoting anything. So let me ask you this. Because you, I know the Usman coronation. I don't think Pitbull's the dude to really coronate him because the, n- none of this was was a surprise, him going out there and dominating. The only thing that was a surprise was that he didn't finish Pitbull in like the first 10 minutes of this fight. But let's just say, okay, Jed, you make a great point. Let's get Usman on this card. Do you pull AJ McKee from the rising card and do Usman versus AJ McKee? That's the uh... first, that's the first lightweight Grand Prix fight and just throw it there? No, because here's what you should do. They honestly, that's probably more likely to what they would do. But here, here's what they should do. You build to that. That fight is a fight that you build to. That fight would be great if that fight has stakes and substance and not just, well, these two guys are two of the four best guys in a roster where we're just going to pit them into each other. Because they don't have enough talent to just, I say the UFC all the time. It's just like just have the best guys fight because they have such a high turnover of talent that like you never know when that fight is going to lose its luster immediately, like or in, in a week or whatever. Like people names rise and fall so rapidly because they have such a conglomeration of talent. Bellator doesn't really have that, so like you can be a little more selective. You can build to certain things, and again, I. I didn't bring this up during my ramp because I knew I'd have another opportunity. Again, getting the ball to the five-yard line and can't punch it in. They did chef's kiss 
beautiful work with AJ McKee versus Patricio Pitbull. It was a plus, 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 plus tremendous work. And then that, that, that was the pay-per-view, right? Did they, they put that one on pay-per-view? No, no, they didn't. No, no. the, the pit Pitbull Chandler was on pay-per-view. That's right. Um, which was awful. Was uh, it? No, I think that was on pay-per-view. No, that was the MSG car was on pay-per-view. I don't remember now. That was when Chandler <laughs> lost the belt to Brent Primus and fell oh. off. <laughs> I can't blame them for that one because they they tried. That's just the MMA gods being mean, mean bastards right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they did a great job of building that. And I think that that honestly broke them because they got to where they wanted it to go to. Everything lined to right. AJ McKee won and nobody cared. Just nobody, uh, a tree in the forest, baby. No one was around to hear it despite that. That is the kind of fight that needs to happen on CBS. And that's what needs, like, that's how they should do this. You get, they build towards the next time they do a CBS card. That should be Usman versus Agent McKee. I also don't know contractually if they're like able to pull Agent McKee from the Rising card. Like he could, I guess, say he's injured or whatever, but that that doesn't feel like working in good faith with the Ryzen if they pulled that move at this point. And I very much like the when they do the the Ryzen thing. So I don't want them to botch that relationship for this one CBS card. I think for the next one, you build to that. These two dudes are in the lightweight Grand Prix they're putting on this year. You stack them on opposite ends of the bracket and let them go to work. They'll have some good fights in there, and and that's it. Uh, you know, because the lightweight division is good. Tafik Musayev, uh, Alexander Shabli, uh, um, I Benson Henderson, I guess, sure counts as relevant. Peter Quilly can't be in this damn tournament, right? Come on. And pro- he probably is. Ugh. I'm not trying to dump it- on the man, but he's he's just going to lose. I agree, but sometimes you got to have dudes to lose. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like he's probably in there, but maybe not. It's, I also don't know it's eight versus 16 man or if they're going to have play-ins or however they do. Uh, 16 would uh, be brutal. 16 is a lot. Um, but they could do like 14 and then, you know, or 15 and uh, Usman gets a bye. Or they, you know, they have, they have the numbers to at least kind of pull this off in some way. So... I don't think you rush this. You're going to have a lifetime to make it because you've got both dudes under contract. They are both going to be elite, elite fighters for a very long time. You, I, I don't know. I don't know what else you put on this card. I'd have yeah. to like pl- look through their rankings or whatever and, and figure out how how their fights go. But it's just, it feels like a thing that will maybe... It might draw eyeballs, and I have no idea how they're going to capitalize on those eyeballs because that's always a thing. Anybody can put together one event one time, throw it, you know, get a deal with the television channel, throw it on. We saw this with Affliction. Hey, we could just have Fedor fight. Somebody will back it. You can make it happen. You have to be able to capitalize. You have to be able to build on that. You have to have other guys to promote off it and ways to draw interest. And I'm not saying this is going to make or break Bellator. This is not Elite XC. They'll be fine regardless of what happens on it. But it's if they don't come out of this in in better place than they were beforehand, what is the point? Why not? Like, what are we doing if you are not getting better? 
if you're if you're just treading water at the number two spot and so far away from the number one spot that you can't even see them, then I don't know what you're doing as a promotion. Maybe AJ can fight on the card somewhere. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it, they could do other things. Like that's the thing. Bellator has shown that they're willing to do be interesting in some ways. And that's why I don't want to hate them as much as I do. But it feels like they just can't ever get the big things right. And it's like, we talk, I, talk, I forget who I was talking about this with. Uh, they should be so much better. Because all they have to do is promote. Like, if they, there's not an organization in the mixed martial arts world that promotes, like, anymore. None of them promote. It is astonishing to me. The UFC is probably the closest to a group that promotes. And even that, we talk about it all the time. They don't ever do anything. They maybe push some of their big cards with ad spots, etc. The rest of it is just, hey, we've got a card this weekend. MMA media is going to cover it. And if they don't, we we will then send one of our commentators to call you out for being assholes or whatever. Like nobody is... They don't have dudes making the media rounds, not just MMA media, but elsewhere. Like you can just send AJ McKee to like Conan. You'd be like, Hey, Conan's got to fill spots, man. They got a daytime talk shows. Got to fill roster spots of dudes to fill entertainment five days a week. You can get your fighters out there. You can get your promotion out there. You can market this in places that aren't just saying, well, MMA, like here's some people, MMA fighters are like this or whatever. Like, you can do some stuff. And the UFC doesn't have to do this anymore because they are the UFC. They are a brand. They're on ESPN Plus. If you're, if you watch fights, you know who they are. If you don't and you just have ESPN, you can tune it on and there they are. I say the same thing for PFL. They get to draft a little bit off that just as a, as a nature of that, but they're not out there really promoting this shit. That, not, we don't need to get into them just yet because I know they're coming. <laughs> they are not promoting this pay-per-view really either. And it's just like, what are, I don't know what promoters are doing because they aren't promoting shit. Like they are not, but I work in this industry, Mike, you and I work in this industry and maybe this is just me being bad at my job. I'm hand up. I'm willing to admit that maybe that's it. I am just shitty at my job. I never, never, know when a Bellator fight is happening. Never. Like, I know that Halfie and Stotts and Danny Sabs are fighting, but I know that from months ago, and I couldn't have told you the date at the time, and I'm still not even trying to pull the date out of my ass right now. But, like, I never know when, oh, Friday's a Bellator night until I open up, until Monday I wake up, and I'm like, what's on the fight schedule this week? It's like, oh, the Nimkov-Anderson fight, the completion of their Grand Prix is this Friday. Also, it's Friday. Good, because sometimes it's Saturday. I don't really ever know what day they're competing on in Bellator because they like to mix it up because brand relevant, they don't have any idea how brands work. Um, it's just like, I don't, if I work in this industry and I, I don't know, how the hell does anyone else know, man? Like how you are not getting your message out there and that's marketing like that. All that is, is marketing and promotion. The actual baseline part of your company, the rest of this, I still have shit with it. I told you all about it, about what they're doing as a, you know, building a product. 
But like, if nobody's tuning in, like, I don't know what I just, I, top to bottom, I don't know what any promotion in the world does other than the UFC. And the only reason I know what they do is because they have all this money. And it's like, yeah, we just make fights and we are the UFC. So we have inertia. That's it. I don't know what the hell they're doing, man. Yeah, it's very strange. It's it's like all these execs, PFL especially, they just come in a room and they sit down and they rah-rah how great they are as a promotion. And they just expect everybody feels the same exact way. Well, that's just not true. And we'll get to PFL in a moment, but I do want to touch on this. We'll jump to PFL because I am sick of just seeing shit about this. Let's go back to Saturday, UFC Vegas 65. The biggest storyline from the card was not Miles Johns winning his fight. It was what Miles Johns said to Michael Bisbing after the fight that his coach was suspended by the UFC. James Krause is the name circled. And boy, oh boy, Jed, people are mad at us for not reporting anything about this. We're afraid to lose our UFC credentials. We're afraid to upset our sponsors. And Mike Russell said it, so it must be true. And people are clout chasing because of all this. And we talked about it on Saturday. I ranted about it today. You want to report, folks, from a journalistic perspective, there's nothing to fucking report. You know why? Because no one is saying anything. And we're not in the business of piggybacking or throwing out a story like this without getting it confirmed. And by the time you hear this, perhaps we will have a story and more information about this. But as of now, there is nothing to report on. And we have been busting our ass trying and no one will give us shit. So, yes, ESPN has some sources. Yes, Kevin Ioli wrote about it. We haven't confirmed anything outside of the fact that the UFC did not suspend James Krause. This appears to be a commission thing. And from the sounds of it, from the little tiny slither of information I've been able to get, this is more like a, hey, dude, there's this investigation happening. You probably should duck out for a bit. That's why he wasn't there. I don't know. Maybe there's more to this. Like I said, I've been on the phone. I've been on the email since Saturday, almost nonstop trying to get answers to this question. So don't say we haven't been trying to report anything. If you feel that way, you're a moron. Where are you at right now, Jed, on this James Crow story right now? Uh, I just always want to ask people like that. Like, what do you think? Like, why do you think we're not doing it? Um, well, because creds. Okay, but that's you know that's not how that works. So like, <laughs> what do you have? Have you ever paid attention to like? I can't speak for everybody at MMAfighting.com, great website, but. I personally say that the UFC sucks ass on damn near every podcast I am on. <laughs> and I'm on a lot of podcasts, Mike. It is, there is not a lot of us defending the UFC ever. Like, that's just not, it's not our jobs. Uh, our, our jobs aren't, aren't in any way really defined by that either, by the way. Like, I don't think, I think people really, think that there's like the UFC is going to wield some real and the UFC does some really shitty things, but like if there was stuff out and we reported it, or if we knew and didn't report it, the UFC is not going to give us a pat on the back. And if we reported it, they're not going to do anything. Cause it's, it's news. <laughs> it's, it's reporting the news. Like they don't, it's just, it, 
a lot of people have taken uh a, I, it's it is fascinating to me how much ire this particular story has drawn up honestly that's like the biggest thing to me because i got a lot of shit after our post show um a lot of people reach out to me um in my instagram and twitter and stuff being like hey so uh a couple of messages similar to what you were saying and the others just being like so james kraus like very clearly did this legal thing and like i don't know why you can't just say this or whatever like i got a lot of that and i was like i responded to a couple and and then they i had so many of them was like I, this is not worth it but it's just like well one i can't accuse a man of doing an illegal thing um without any proof whatsoever because that's both morally and legally not an acceptable form of behavior <laughs> and two it's just like i don't like why why do you guys care this much i guess is the big one for me i'm left to assume that it's just like due to bet on vince morales <laughs> or whatever or like just guys who had a gambling stake in this and are upset that we're not like well this is suspicious and one man gave a, a statement that may or may not be hearsay frankly at this point so we're just operating under the assumption that this is true it's just like dude we don't you guys want to get get mad about fake news and and stuff like that actively reporting on this at this point would be the definition of fake news. We don't have it. Like it's not, uh, you know, maybe we don't have good enough sources. I find it, but that's, this is not a major story to me, but it has become so divisive for some people. And that's very, very weird to me. And I'm not like, this could be a major story depending on what comes out. This could be a huge story and I will be entirely transparent the funniest thing that's happened all year. <laughs> if certain things break in a way, it would be maybe my happiest moment of the year if some things went down. But there is no no concrete proof that any of that happened or that we're even getting like close or that like someone's covering that up. This is just a like there's nothing. Nobody has anything right now. And at the minute it will we'll post it because trust me guys the minute we find out, we will post it because apparently you guys all care a lot. And that will be great for us. Yeah, we've hit up everybody. I don't know what to tell you. It is also a really crappy week to try to confirm stuff because here in the United States, it is Thanksgiving week. And most people in high places say, I'm out of here for the entire week. We don't work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then take yeah. Thursday and Friday off. They're just like, we're taking the whole week off. So Dude, no one was, is getting back to us about anything. Back before I did this full time, when I was still in corporate America or startup America, either one, this was the best week of the year every year because this was the last week of work because, and it's it's not even because you you work Monday and Tuesday, nobody cares about Wednesday, Friday's fake day, Thursday's obviously holiday. Uh, and in my, uh, so I was, before I did this, I was doing, uh, like an auto, uh, auto tech company or whatever. And in the automotive industry, December is like huge because they have end of year quotas to hit. Like, so there's, so I see all those December to remember sales events. Like you got people selling cars in December cause they've got to hit where they want, uh, which meant for us and the products we were, we were working with, 
uh, that nobody, nobody was dealing with us. <laughs> nobody, no, no distributor, no OEM, no, no car dealership was doing anything because they were focused on their end of year objectives. So this was always my last week of work. It's like I had till Tuesday to wrap up some projects and send some emails. And then for December, I would just hang out and hope that maybe I'd get a call back. And it's just, nobody works once Thanksgiving comes in. The year's done. We're all checked out until January, guys. It's senior year, baby. It's senior year in yeah. high school. You already got accepted to college. You're done ski. Yeah. You just don't we, don't get an F and you're fine. Yeah. It's all, all you got to do is not uh, do something that will get your admission revoked. And for us, we've got, what, two UFC events and uh, the Bellator Rising card, and that's it. <laughs> and last thing I'll say about this for all the well, you don't want to report this because UFC will pull your credential bullshit. The most information that I've actually gotten about this, like the easiest responses that I've gotten this week are from the friggin' UFC. They are responding. They have nothing. They literally have nothing. They're like, we're going through the same thing you are. We didn't even know what was happening. We just know that I we just, didn't suspend it, but no one will tell us anything either. Uh, what, is, what do people think? The UFC's vested interest in that is that's that is is very interesting to me. It's like, what does does do they think that this looks bad on the UFC? This isn't a UFC problem. Like, hey, this isn't the UFC. In fact, very recently made an explicit rule not allowing something like this. Yeah, so, like, covered, they're covered. Yeah. They're covered in yeah, all. Yeah, they're they're fine. I'm like. Like, oh yeah, this thing happened. Um, and here, like they would just tell us though, <laughs> like, yeah, doing because because we're a serious promotion who takes these things seriously. Like, they are the the least party to, they have nothing to hide. They have nothing to hide in this instance. You know who's enjoying this probably more than anybody is TJ Dillashaw. It's like no one remembers the shoulder injury or any of that anymore because we've we've moved on, we've jumped to a different book all together yeah. with all of this. So we'll see what happens. And trust me what I tell you, if anything comes from this, if we get anything from anybody, we will let you know on MMAfighting.com. Great website. Yes, a great website who will be spending their Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, eating leftovers and covering the Professional Fighters League pay-per-view. I've, I've drawn the uh, proverbial long straw. I'm very excited to be on so the desk. <laughs> For PFL PPV World Championship, it is going down this Friday in New York, the Hulu Theater. $49.99 on pay-per-view, which after taxes and all of that, because they charge taxes now, it's going to be about 56 smackerinis. What is that face? Oh, I just realized something. We're going to talk about it, so keep on going. Okay. It's like another $10 to just go to the card the Hulu theater at the garden. So if you're anywhere in the tri-state area, if you even buy this on pay-per-view, you're a moron. You should probably just go to the card and just sit For in the sure. arena. And I, just spend I will the extra say this. Couple bucks. I, cause I am going to shit all over the PFL about as hard as possible in the next 10, 15 minutes. Uh, they put on a very good live show. Like I, I, I went to the, they, they did three in Atlanta. Um, all the people who work there that I've ever interacted with lovely people, et cetera. Uh, and their live show was fun. Like it was, it was a good atmosphere. All the people I talked to some like random 
people, met met a couple of fans, etc. Uh, they all seem to really enjoy it, and they should. It was they put on a good live show. Frankly, their live show was substantially better than viewing their product on ESPN Plus. So I would strongly encourage you if you are in New York and you got nothing else to do on Friday, do that. It, far worse ways to spend your Friday afternoon. So we have six title fights, six fights, potentially five rounds. Kayla Harrison, Larissa Pacheco, the main event, Brennan Lockname, Bubba Jenkins, probably the best fight on the card. Uh, Ante Delagia versus Mateus Scheffel for the heavyweight title. And it looks like they're going to do three title fights, then sprinkle in a non-title fight and then do three title fights. Cause Aspen lad is fighting Julia bud in a non-title Let's fight. Let's pause. Let's pause right here to just get into the thick of me shitting all over the PFL. Uh, first you mentioned it offhandedly, but very pointedly as well. Six title fights on their main card that you're paying for. I will give them this. If you if you're gonna give the PFL one thing, you're gonna get fifty dollars. Your fifty dollars is gonna go further than any other fight promotion because they are giving you seven fights for that fifty dollars, six of which have the potential to be twenty five minutes. That is very possibly to be the toughest of all hangs. And we should start right there because I don't, I, I don't know if you recall that the UFC once upon a time had this issue where they booked three title fights for a pay-per-view. Uh, all of them ran long and they ended up not getting all of the pay-per-view in their time slot told that that won't be the case. PFL can go as long as they want. But when you have three possible 25-minute fights, that is 75 minutes of fist fighting, which is a shitload. And so we're clear, that is half, half of the potential main card fist fighting that could happen on Friday. There is, I frankly love the PFL thing. I love their structure. I think it's very stupid, but it's compelling in its own way, and it's a different way to approach MMA, and so I like that enough. Like this gives me a, a different thing and a rooting interest, etc. You just can't do it this way. Like it's cool, I guess, to some extent. And God willing, you get a bunch of first round knockouts or whatever. But if you don't, if because I'm telling you right now, Kayla Harrison Pacheco is the main event, that has a very good chance to go long because they have fought twice before, both times went the full 15. That is a very good chance to go into the championship rounds. Lone and Bubba Jenkins has a solid chance to go into the championship rounds. Maybe not. Maybe Lone just gets him out of there because Jenkins gasses. Uh, Delijah Sheffield, well, that's probably not going super late. But also, if it goes, if, if that gets into the third round, that's probably going 25 because they're heavyweights. So they only have. X amount of time where they are actually dangerous before they are just big puddles of useless in there. Uh, Stevie Ray, Olivier Aubin-Mercier, the over-under on that fight is four and a half rounds, and the over is the favorite. That is almost assuredly going five full rounds. Delano Taylor, Sadabusai, I have no idea, could do anything in that fight. Mariak Medov, Rob Wilkinson, again, could easily go 25. Who the hell can say? Like, that's... And then... You also still have 
I don't want to do this yet. I'll do that one after. Because that's six, that is six fights that all do have a real possibility of going 25 minutes. Maybe they don't all. But holy shit, man, that's going to be a bad, bad viewing experience. That is two and a half hours right there. If those all six of those fights go the full 25. That's just in those fights. That's not including yeah. the downtime in the middle, et cetera. And you know they're going to have downtime. They're going to go to the desk and they're going to talk and it's going to take 15 minutes for each fight. And then the walkouts and all that. We're they just gotta, those they six wipe fights. The case down. They got to get the new fighters set to go. Like it is. That's three that's and a half so hours. Time. That's three and a half hours at least. And then you we can have watch the Godfather. You can watch the Godfather or this. Which would you rather, Mike? I could watch the Batman right now in less time. The new The Batman I got, movie. I got the Batman in the mail the other day. I did too. I did, did too. It was super weird. I got that consideration. Yesterday. That I got that yesterday movie. for the WGA. And it, I looked at it and I was like, because uh, I got that and Elvis and was like, I mean, I knew that we got these things, but also, do they know that both of these are on HBO Max right now? <laughs> they could have. They could have just said, go to HBO Max and watch these movies. Hey, if you want to throw me a free HBO Max account for a couple months, I ain't going to be mad at you. Um, The Elvis movie sucks. It's awful. Oh, that's a shame because I like Boz Lerman. I haven't actually seen that. I've seen the Batman. Um, Tom, like it literally, you can't take Tom Hanks seriously. Well, that's tough. It's a tough hang. It Uh, it looks like Tom Hanks just looks like a guy in a bodysuit. And oh. horrible makeup, and you just can't take him seriously. Well, you know what else you can't take seriously, Mike? Uh, that the PFL looked at this card and said, I know, I know that six is a lot of main card fights. What if we had a seventh? This one won't be a championship fight. It's just Julia Budd versus Aspen Ladd as a as a palate cleanser between the first and second set of, of tournament championships. I don't I don't know what I don't know what we're doing, Mike. I don't know what we're doing. Like, to explain it to me. Explain this fight being in this position on this card to me. I don't know why we got six fights and half of them are championship. Like, twelve fights in this card, and six of them could very well take up three hours of our night. Why do we have twelve fights, and why do we have one more on the main card? What in God's name are they doing? How is this not the featured prelim? How is this not the feature prelim? Because we just have don't the Battle understand. of the Mariases. Yeah, which, thank Christ we're getting that fight because Shane Burgos versus Mario Marias, we might have seen a death in the cage. So I'm glad yeah. we're not getting that fight. I'm glad we're yeah. getting this one instead. This is but better. You should, you should downgrade this to the featured prelim. Just start the televised portion, pre-pay-per-view portion. Just start it 15 minutes earlier. And throw Aspen Lad Julius Bud as the featured prelim. Just do that. I, I don't understand why this is on the why this is on the pay-per-view card. Yeah. The main card is just the six championship fights. You do that, and you can have a brief prelim that has the Bud Lad. You've got the two Marias. And I will even for the sake of extending an olive branch say we can do Natan Schultz, uh, Jeremy Stevens. But there is no world in which having Magomed Magomed Karamov versus Gleason Tebow needs to happen. That fight just doesn't need to exist. Super doesn't need to exist on this particular fight card. Uh, and that's the better of the three openers because I don't know why in God's green earth, uh, Dakota Jacheva, Catherine Korginis is on here. 
Uh, I mean, they're women's flyweights. Cool. Don't know why they're on it. And I don't know why we have an amateur fight opening the show. Like, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious why. Because they hate us and want us to spend our whole Fridays? No, because of who is in the fight. It's awful. And I don't accept this. And I'm not okay with it, Mike. I'm not okay with anything. Muhammad Ali's. I know. I don't. Yeah, that's that's why. I I don't want it. I'm not okay with it. Put him. Put him elsewhere. Put him, put him, or do two events, do back to back events. Do Ooh, that's pretty so, good. Yeah. Friday, well, Saturday. Yes. That's, that's all that's how because then you can split up the championship bounce and make so much more sense. Because so Mike, remember earlier when you were like, What's that face? And I was like, Oh, talk about it. So here's what that face was, Mike. <laughs> because I was thinking as as you were introing this, and I was like, I know I have all these various things I hate about it. And then I wanted to get right back onto the, and it's Friday night. And I know BFL has traditionally done Friday night stuff, but like on this, the I, I, I wanted to ask you the question and I'll still ask it before I tell you why my face existed. Do we think doing this on Black Friday as opposed to the Saturday where there isn't a UFC competitor, do we think that this is a good idea? Because I, I, I had genuine questions about the viability of this, you know, post Thanksgiving Friday doing this pay-per-view. Does anyone give a shit? Like, I don't, are people holiday? Like, I don't know where the world is at or why, why this would be a Friday and not a Saturday thing when they have no other combat sports competition this weekend. Do you have thoughts on this? I don't, I honestly don't think it matters. I don't think it matters, especially now that you slapped a $50 price tag on it. It makes no difference. Oh. You could put this thing. We're going to get to that in a minute. (laughs) You could put this thing on Thanksgiving and put a $50 price tag on. And guess what? It ain't doing any, any more or any less than it's going to get on Friday or Saturday. In fact, you can make a stronger case that if you put this on Thursday night of Thanksgiving, it would do better than on Friday because I don't think you can. I think you could. I think it would do better than Friday because I think people are just going to be donezo with eating they're just going to be sitting on their couches anyways, looking for something to do and something to watch. That's why the WWF in the 80s and early 90s till about 1993, they would do their Survivor Series on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving oh, was a mass. Yeah. Even uh, WCW used to do a pay-per-view on Thanksgiving. They did one on Christmas for a long time because they knew at that time when those would air, people are done with the family stuff. They're done opening presents. They want to do something else. They want to get out of the frigging house and do something. So they would put these on like during because the night's over. Like you're just you're just sitting there getting fat and unloosening your belt belt buckles a couple notches. Might as well watch 517 hours of fighting while you're at it. I don't think it does any difference because you slapped a fifty dollar price tag on this. You may very well be the case. I just assume Thursday wouldn't be a good day for it because Thursday is that there's football day Thursday. You've got you've got the NFL and counter programming the NFL is just never the right answer in my head. But fun fact, uh this is rivalry week in college football. So Friday and Saturday. Yeah, you're screwed fr- either way. Well, cause because that's where I was I was like, maybe Friday's right because Saturday it'll be a bunch of rivalry games. I forgot that like actually all Friday is also rivalry football games. <laughs> so and for our non-American listeners, if you're still here, props to you. 
Uh, I am speaking of this entirely uh, in a U.S. centric because in general we favor that way. Also, I don't know if the PFL, if anyone outside of America watches the PFL like at all, because why would you? Like, I, I just don't know why, why this, why this would be your thing, be a one championship or a combate or, or whatever it is. But it's just like, I don't, I forgot entirely that Friday also has like Florida, Florida state and, and Baylor, Texas, like just, they're not going to do shit on this show, man. Like putting a $50 price tag on this is just criminally stupid it's really really bad i'm still waiting for the moment when don davis goes on twitter and says you know what you're the best fans in the world to. we're gonna give this to you for free or if he does it this is ge- that's genius if he does it that's a plus promotion yeah that was my prediction from jump street this is what they're gonna you've do you've been saying it and if it happens it's a plus plus work for them brilliant if he doesn't they're gonna sell seven they're yeah. going to sell seven of these because all the fighters' families are going to be at this thing. It's, it's, it's not like they're going to buy the pay-per-views. They're all going to be there. So it's like, oh, Over, uh, like, And I'm trying to be realistic here because... Under. I don't even know what number you're going to say I'm taking under. 5,000. Under. You think you should sure. do under 5,000? Yes, for sure. Wow. I can't... It, I have never, normally, I don't give... I don't give a crap at all about pay-per-view buys like the UFC numbers and stuff. I normally do not care, but I am so interested in this one. Please. Uh, this Meltzer, the please only time anybody, I've ever cared. Give me something. I need to know. I need to know. I, again, they've done a, some promotion, but they haven't done like a huge push. If you're, if you're trying to make this a pay-per-view, this should be every freaking commercial spot on ESPN should be a PFL thing. Like that should be everywhere. You should just give Mr. Beast a hundred grand to promote this in his next YouTube video or whatever his cost is to say, I I have no idea. You have got to get this out there. If this is going to be your foray into the pay-per-view market and maybe the best case scenario I can draw here is that this is them dipping their toe in to see what it's like. And they will immediately realize this is not a viable business model for us because pay-per-view is very stupid and shouldn't be a viable business model for anybody. I frankly still don't understand how the UFC does it, but whatever. So we just need to go back to giving this out for free because it's also criminally negligent to charge people $50 to watch Ante Delaja versus Mateusz Scheffel. That is horror show level stuff. Maybe that's just all it is. They just want to see. They're going to come back and say, we sold 2,000 pay-per-views. Okay, this isn't cool. Uh, we need to make sure this information doesn't get out because then uh, any any potential thoughts of leverage we had to make a Kayla Harrison-Chris Cyborg fight, that's gone. <laughs> like it's just, I don't, I don't know the goal because uh, I can't believe the goal is to make money. Maybe, maybe, Mike, frankly, the goal is just to to recoup money. I that is probably the best explanation to this here is we know we are losing money on this cuz we are paying 6 million dollars plus purses for this event and this is just a way to get some of that back. Maybe that's it and that at least would make sense cuz otherwise I don't know what the hell we're doing when as I said earlier, Friday Saturday show. UFC does it at international fight weeks. You do the Friday show, you pick 
I don't care. You play favorites. You say, here are the shitty title fights of our three. These are the Friday ones. The ones that mean a little bit less. Maybe you main event that card with Lane and Bubba Jenkins just because Brendan, Brendan might have a little juice on him. And you say, all right, but you give that one Ante Delaja and uh, Akhmedov, Rob Wilkinson. And Brennan Lonning heads that one. And then the Saturday one, the big show, the one that's going to bring him in, that's Kayla Harrison. That's Steve OAM. That's Sadi Busai. Like you do the, like that just is a way better event to me. Way better to do a Friday, Saturday doubleheader. Yeah, that would be, that would be interesting. And a lot of tickets still unsold for this event. So I don't know what they're going to do, man. They get three rows, three sections in the 200s, which is probably be where I would sit. Um, 100 plus still on sale. Not good. This is, I I just don't know how this is going to sell. We'll see. I would have never in a million years, if you were like, Mike, take a guess how much this paper is going to be. And I was going to be like, I thought it was Yeah, I was going to say PFL is going to be dumb and do $29.99. I never even. Imagine. That would have been fine. That would have even been fine in concept of fifty. Like it still wouldn't have been good, but like thirty yeah. bucks feels more more achievable than fifty. Like I am not. I'll I'll buy it because well, I'm, I'm actually covering it. So never mind. I was about to say I will do it just to do it, just to say I'm one of the fifty people that actually paid for this damn thing, but. If I am like looking at something to buy online or whatever, it doesn't take a lot. If you're just scrolling, you know, Amazon, it doesn't take a lot to click buy it. Like, but 50 bucks is substantively different. If it's 20 spots, it's like, hey, it's $20 bill. But like, cool, 20 bucks, I can survive that. That's me eating out one night. I can say, you know, I'll skip going and getting a, a cheesesteak and I'll, I'll do this instead. 50 bucks, that is hefty. That's a lot. What was the Bellator pay-per-view price? $39.99. I was going to say, I wanted to say, uh, that was higher. I, I was going to say that was $29.99, so $39.99. Yeah, it was $39.95. Uh, high def was $44.99. That's when there was a difference. So 45 bucks for the Bellator pay-per-view. Jesus. Jesus. Uh, Good God, these people. Stop doing pay per No, actually, no, I was wrong. I was wrong. Uh, June twenty fourth, MSG forty nine ninety five was the Bellator oh. MSG card on paper. PFL. If I Ray, if you're out there, if you're listening, you probably aren't. You never listen to me. I've given you just piles of good advice over the years. But if you're listening now, please, whatever Bellator's doing, do not use that as a blueprint. You're probably going to do better if you just are like Bellator's doing it. Let's not do that you're probably going to fare better off. Like you're certainly not going to be worse if you just don't do the things Bellator is doing because trying to follow in Bellator's footsteps is, it doesn't yield promising results. True. Uh, two last things before we wrap up. One, Hamza Shemaev making the headlines once again, just calling out everybody. Dana White, everybody. It seems like they want to do the Hamza versus Colby fight which makes sense. They want to give this guy one more shot to make wealth away. But ever since Alex Pereira won the belt, Hamzat's been calling him out, call him out the night he won the belt. Then he said, let's do it in January in Brazil. And now he's saying, I agreed to fight you December 10th. Just say, yes, let's go. 
What do you make of this? Because to me, I feel like Pereira would get a nice bag fighting Hamzat Shabayev. I think that pay-per-view would sell very well, considering where both guys are right now. But this just, outside of just getting a quick bag, there's, there's no upside to this fight for, for Pereira in my eyes. Has plenty for Hamzad. But I just I just feel like he gets smushed, loses the title, and that's it. You might as well just wait for Izzy, get that bag. Then if you want to fight Shemaev, then you can fight him. I just feel like turning around quick to fight this guy just because you want to do something cool. Not a ton of upside for this man right now, especially after just winning the belt in such a, a weird and rare unicornish way for a UFC fighter to do so. Oh, it's absolutely useless fight for Pereira. Um, can't think of a fight he should take less than this one. I think it's good for every other party. I think he is the only party that this is not good for. I will come out and say I hate that Hamzat's doing this just because Hamzat is... He's like Dylan Dennis if Dylan Dennis was good at fighting and actually fought. And <laughs> um, that he's just being like really annoying by talking a lot and like in general fighting and backing it up. But like, it's okay. You don't have to say things. You could just not, that'd be fine too. Like you could just be like, yeah, I want to, uh, I just want to fight the winner of this welterweight championship that's coming up because he didn't need to fight Colby. Nothing UFC wants to fight. Maybe that happens, but his public perception could not, could be, uh, I, I am loath to say this because you know, my feelings on Alexander Volkanovsky he could just do the Volk thing. I'm going to show up to the Leon Usman fight and I'm going to sit cage side because I'm fighting the winner. And nobody would bat an eye or say no, or that's ridiculous. They'd be like, yeah, cool. You get to do that if you would like to do that. And it would just be okay to have him not in my life every second of the day. Uh, but I get why he's doing it. It's the same reason George St. Pierre came out of retirement to fight Michael Bisping. Hey, I'm going to win that fight and it would help me a lot. So I would like to do that. Uh, yeah. Terrible fight for Pereira. He gains nothing. Pereira needs to just hold out for an Adesanya rematch or quad tetralogy um, and just do that because that's the most winnable and best fight for him uh, because he already won it. Or he can fight Robert Whitaker, but that doesn't come with nearly the money as fighting Izzy again does. But I think on the UFC, I'm trying to make this happen because here's, here's the path, Mike. You do... I believe Hamzat can make the welterweight limit. I do. I, too. I don't think we need to play that game though. Right. Like, because there is the concern that it could happen again. Right. Like that. You can't say that he's guaranteed to make it. I believe he can, but there's now the risk is clear having blown and by a lot when instead you just make this, you still get your cake because Hamzat's still a champion because he will roll up Pereira. And then you can do Hamzat versus Izzy. And that fight does all of the numbers of all of the times. And when once Pereira has now lost, you just go to him and you're like, hey, Alex, you know, you'll forever be a UFC middleweight champion. You should try and win a second belt because I'd very much like to pay money to watch you fist fight Yuri Brahashka if Yuri gets past your coach and mentor Glover Teixeira. And that is, like, that's the... Because if Yuri beats Glover in the rematch, if Glover wins, I think he's going to retire. That's my guess. Maybe he doesn't, but I think if Glover wins, he's going to retire with the belt on top. So if Pereira fights Hamza, loses, you say, 
Light heavyweights, dumpster fire. No one likes this division. Let's just do Pereira, Glover's chosen acolyte, the same way we should have done with Islam. For when Habib retired, the UFC should have just said, Habib, pick your heir. Pick your heir and successor. It's Islam. He is going to fight Dustin Poirier for the, the lightweight championship of the world. They didn't. We got how we got. But they can do it with Glover, say, you're going to pick Pereira. He is going to fight Yiri, the guy you just beat. That's a very sellable fight. That fight rules. And then you get the middleweight of Izzy versus Hamza. Everybody wins. We all make all the money. I'm a genius, Mike. I expect all the Otno points. Not going to happen, but uh, you... I know, but it's play, so much better. It's you play so devil's better. advocate so well. But you know what? Listen, Pereira could just sit back anyways, and if Yeri beats Glover, he could just dump the middleweight title and be like, Hamza, go fight Izzy, and I'll just go he fight this do- dude. Honestly, if I am Pereira, that is actually my path forward. If maybe, again, I actually kind of like his chances against Robert Whitaker, but I also just don't think that does much for him. Like, I mean, it, it does in the hardcore fans' eyes do a lot for him, but it's not, Whitaker is, is a beloved hardcore fan that is not like a broader draw, so it's not going to do huge numbers. The easy Tetralogy obviously does, but at some point, don't you just get tired of beating one man's ass over and over again? Volk certainly did with Holloway. Maybe Pereira doesn't mind. I think the best thing for him would just be like dismissively dump the belt and be like, yeah, I really just wanted to prove to you guys that I'm better than this jackass at middleweight. Uh, I'm going to go up now to 205 because I think I could beat Yuri too. And Izzy, you can have my leftovers. Good luck, bud. Like that would oh. just be, would be boss shit. For him to just be like, yeah, Izzy, you can take this back. I don't I don't want your trinket. I'm going to go get this other one and go chase this guy. And you straight take any bit of power away from Izzy, too. Yeah. Because everything's like, oh, it's all on Izzy. Man. It's the balls at Izzy's court. Balls at Izzy's court. Pereira's like, yeah. no, it ain't. I'm the champ. Now I'm not the champ. So if he wants to fight me again, you bulk up and go to, you come up to me. You come up yeah. to me and do it. Plus, if he goes up and gets the light heavyweight belt, then it's just like one more dagger to stab. And is he like, hey, remember when you failed at this? I didn't. So, yeah. Looks like I'm fighting John Jones and you're not. So, yeah, it's there you just go. like he could just make an incredibly lucrative career out of just shitting on Izzy, <laughs> and it would be quite fun. <laughs> uh, see, this is why we do these shows. We, we, work these, we work this stuff out and we make ideas better. Than how they were originally presented. I've been saying that for a long time. Just do, just do this. It'd be way cooler for you to be a light heavyweight. And what do you, who cares about you fighting Paulo Costa at middleweight? Like it's sure. Like I'm not going to say no, but it also isn't the funniest or coolest outcome, which is you just ruining Izzy's whole career. <laughs> oh man. Last thing. Cause see, we hit record. I, I knew we'd fill time. I didn't oh, know yeah, how we we're going to do it, but we did it. Thanksgiving is upon us as this drops. It is officially Thanksgiving in, in, in the United States. What are you thankful for, Jed Bashu, in this wonderful sport of ours? Mixed martial arts. We can go beyond that if you want to talk, uh, you know, the usual stuff like family and friends, but more so MMA as well. What, what, what are you thankful for? Well, I'm first and foremost thankful for MMAfighting.com, great website, because for whatever reason, uh, my career is now doing this shit. Um, which still boggles my mind on a on a near daily basis that I get to do this for a living. So uh, that is is will always be will be number two. Obviously, family, 
family comes first, you know, you know, Mike, you're, you're a man of family. Yes. Family comes first. Uh, but number two is MMAfighting.com, great website uh, and all the people therein, just a great team of people who are afraid of the UFC and won't report things so we can keep our creds. Great work from all of us. Uh, beyond that, you know, if I had to pick like a fighter or a thing specific to the MMA world that I'm thankful for, trying to think who it is. And frankly, and this is maybe this is recency bias. Who can say? I think the thing I'm most thankful for is to Vadim Nemkov. Because again, Corey Anderson is not the best light heavyweight in the world. And considering the copious amounts of shit I talked about that dude, that is very helpful for me and the way I go about my life. I will also say uh, thank you to Wiley Zhang, who uh, did not bankrupt me by beating the hell out of Carlos Barza. And thankful to Valentina Shevchenko, who did not bankrupt me by edging past Tyler Santos. And thankful to Islam Makachev, who, if I've talked a lot of shit about Corey Anderson, I talked a lot of shit in favor of Islam and, and how he was going to absolutely thump up Charles Oliveira. And I will admit to having some nerves as that fight was about to kick off that I was about to be made to eat a whole lot of crow for the rest of time. And then I I did not, even a little bit, because he, in fact, thumped up Charles Oliveira. So thank you, Islam. Thank you, Habib, and all of your ilk. You guys are doing great work, and I'm excited <laughs> to see where, where Dagestan and Sambo take us in the year 2024. I thought for sure you're going to add Dustin Poirier to that list. For I mean, beating Michael Chandler and and just that, proving that, that just felt good. Yeah, I would lie if I said that didn't feel good. But it's I'm I'm mellowing on my not my Chandler hate, but the I guess I guess yeah, I'm mellowing on my hate of Michael Chandler. I still don't like the man, but it's less. It's hard to hate him when he loses because he loses. He's only obnoxious mostly when he wins. Because then he gets a microphone in front of him, and that's when he's terrible. But he didn't, so it was okay this time. I'm actually, I'll, I'll say I, you, you mentioned a lot of names that that, that I'm with you on. I'm actually going to say Dustin Poirier is, is one of those guys because he is almost Great the guy. def he's almost the definition of the sport in 2022. Because you think he's one thing, and then. People think, and you even think to yourself sometimes when you're doing these rankings last year, are we ranking Dustin Poirier too high? Is he just, are, are we just a victim of recency, him beating Connor? Like, are we overrating him? And then he loses to Charles and we're thinking to ourselves, yeah, maybe we did. And then you see what he, he has done this year and not even fighting, just what he's done. His interviews have been compelling. Goes and fights Michael Chandler. Great fight just thumps the man like Chandler had his moments at a great second round, but every time Dustin Poirier touched Michael Chandler, I mean, it was a damage bar, just dwindling. You saw Chandler's face just get uglier and uglier with every jab he threw. And then he goes out there and wins and just says the things he says. And you're just like, you know what? Maybe we didn't overrate him. Maybe he is just, is that good? And then hearing his fellow UFC I'm not going to say coworkers because technically they're not employees, but just hearing what oh, contractors. Yeah. Just hearing what other fighters say about him, what other media members say about him, even what John Anik says about him to hear John Anik 
he's a freaking UFC commentator. He's going to glow about everybody. And sometimes you can just tell, like John's just like, yeah, I'm just saying the thing that I need to say. But when you mentioned Dustin Poirier, the dude's eyes just light up. And he's like, he made that list. We've talked about which fighter, if you're in a dark alley and you have to have somebody with you in that dark alley against a gang of ruffians, who are you going to pick? And Yuri Prohashka seems to be a popular guy. John X, like Dustin Poirier seems like a pretty cool dude to have by your side here because he's going to get in there and get in the thick of it. May not win, but he's going to get in there in the thick of it with you. So I, to, to, I'm thankful for you, Dustin Poirier, because perhaps I, I have not given not just your current spot enough credit, but perhaps I haven't given you enough credit for everything you've done these past few years because you don't have to do shit. You could just leave the sport right now and your legacy is cemented as a fucking gangster. I mean, yeah. Great. All all time. Great dude. All the, all the great charity work he's done. Uh, probably one of the five best lightweights of all time at this point. Like you just look at so. his resume. I mean, it's tough. That's a very competitive division, but, uh, like he certainly has a, has a case if he, if he's not locked in there and just, Keeps being good. Keeps at some point. I thought he'd fall off. He keeps still. I thought maybe the Oliver fight might be him losing, losing it. But I'm not sure that that's true. Like he just seems to still have it, uh, and continues to be a great guy. Hell yeah, yeah. Love, love, love some Dustin Poirier. Stay away from Armand Sarukian, and your career is going to be just fine, my man. Dude, I would. I will bet you. A substantive amount that that man never fights Armand Sarukian. No, Why would he? Fight him. Why yeah. would he ever fight Armand Sarukian? I agree. Sarukian, Sarukian might be the best of the crop of rising lightweight talent. In fact, probably is the best of that crop of rising lightweight talent. He also happens to have the worst personality of that crop of rising lightweight talent. And as a result, he is probably screwed and at the back of the pack of like Gamrot. Turner, Fazeev, Srugian does just doesn't have. I don't know. Maybe Demirius. I think he does. I think he actually does. He just doesn't get a lot of opportunities. He's a pretty interesting cat. It has not shown through at all thus far, and that is gonna kill him. Well, maybe that'll change when he. uh... He's also twenty four, whatever. So maybe he just needs some time. Listen, when he goes five and zero in twenty twenty three and wins the title, he's. Well, he won't. He won't fight for the title in twenty twenty three. I was but say telling that you, is Zerugian a bold prediction. Zerugian Magachev is going to rule at the end of this, at the end of this next year. That is a bold prediction. We're going to be feeling about Zerugian at the end of next year the way we felt about Makachev at the end of last year. He just needs Maybe. a shot. He just needs a shot. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll have plenty of time for predictions, but I think we're done here. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Jed, any final thoughts for the peeps before we say goodbye? Uh, No, I already had one soapbox and I don't want to get another one about the World Cup, but uh, yeah, you know, guys have a wonderful holiday. Uh, I love you all so very, very much. And particularly you, Mike, who's, you know, I, I know your best friendship is taken, but you know, I, I like to be on the short list. You are. You're like me and AK are like Marshall and Ted from How I Met Your Mother, and you're you're the Barney Stinson. You're the Neil. You're the NPH baby. You're the NPH, the cool guy. I don't think that you're that the character wedding gets to exist on television if that show was made today. You're probably right. 
I feel like that character does not get through corporate sign off in in 2022. Yes, but at least as a, from a friendship standpoint, yeah, I think I you're get, right I get there. exactly what you're Terrific saying. friend, terrific friend. Uh, and I'm th- I am thankful. Yes, and I am thankful for you too, Jed, because only you can come on here. We could just hit record, be like, "What the hell are we going to talk about?" and then go for 90 minutes. Well, it's because you brought about a tour and PFL, and I can just be <laughs> mad because they they have all the tools, and it's just like watching a monkey like throw poop at itself. Like, I don't know what you're doing. Just like watching a small child not understand how to fit the square block into the square circle and just hit it into the star-shaped one over and over again. What are you guys doing? And with that beautiful, beautiful analogy, we are done. <laughs> we'll see you next week back on video, back live next Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern. For Jen Bichu, I am Mike Heck. We'll see you back next week between the links. <laughs> Good night, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Sure, we've all had fun messing around with AI image generators and conversation bots, but AI is more than a novelty, and it's possible that your business could benefit from AI integration. SAP Business AI can help your business innovate, whether it's supply chain, finance, human resources, sales and marketing, even a generative AI co-pilot. SAP Business AI can offer the solutions you've only dreamt of. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Learn more at sap.com slash AI.